NFR Extra is a weekly podcast that focuses on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo and features icons that embody the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Like, literally, I wouldn't hold my slack. I look 70 years old. Mm. My wife was like, you got to go just rope. Yeah. You have to. I'm like, look at me. I look 72 years old. (laughs) I might as well get off the left. Like, I'm getting off so slow. One in a lifetime horse. How I ended up with him, I have no idea. But he's been a blessing to me, a blessing to my family. He he is super cool. He's actually like a little kid. Like, he would get into everything, uh, anything that you don't think a horse will get into he'll get into it tear it up god is still good even though bad things happen bad things happen to everybody there's not one person in this world that can say you know i live the greatest life hi this is tough edelman four-time world champion bull rider and you're listening to nfr extra this is going to be a lot of fun guys uh i'm andy seiler here on nfr extra joined by steve godert and brylan bentley and uh we've We've got a really, really great tie-down roper here with us in the way of Caleb Schmidt. Coming off his third world title, Caleb, thanks for joining us on NFR Extra. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about your journey into world championship number three, because uh, that to me, how do you keep sharpening that saw to win multiple world titles? You know, I don't, I have no idea. I feel like they get harder and harder because uh, when I won my first one, um, I really enjoyed practicing. It was a lot of fun. Now it's really hard on my body. And, uh, you know, I've always told everybody I'd drive out to the NFR trying to figure out how I'm going to beat these guys that practice every day. And the only, uh, I guess, explanation I can come up with is uh, by the grace of God and a good horse because uh, that's what I put all my trust into and a lot of support from my family. Um, you know, they support me uh, each and every day, year-round, and, I don't know. It's a lot of fun doing it with uh, them guys in my back or behind me. And I I give all the support to them because I don't practice near as much as I should. I don't (laughs) feel like I'm as sharp as I was, you know, three, four years ago. But uh, I just back in there and pray and see how it goes. Speaking of the support of your family, you know, you got the physical aspect of it for training and, and going on that. But you also have your mental part of that. And then this year, you had a little additional mental thing to think about with having a baby right before the NFR. It's actually our second one. Uh, we had Myla, our, my wife had Myla uh, in November of 2018. So that one was really close. Yeah. Chaz, Chaz was born in October, so he was a little more prepared for the Vegas life. But yeah, we've had two small children at the finals um, for two years, so... I don't know. It's a lot different. Your night life's a lot different. You yeah. Like go to the rodeo and then go back to the room. Have you changed diapers? No. I no. Oh. <laughs> I do not. Eat them hands, son. You got to keep those hands ready for time and calves. I've, I've probably changed. I mean, the wet ones don't bother me, but the sure. dirty ones, maybe five. Oh, the real deal. So your wife's know, a saint. Is I was what, about yeah. to say, how does he get away she, with that? Because right. mine's like, Mm-mm, it's your turn. Get yeah. over here. I don't. She, I like with the, this is not really appropriate, but like with the throw <laughs> up and stuff and kids, I can't do it. And she's always said, you're not going to throw up. 
<laughs> and I actually did the other day. One of my kids threw up, and I threw up right after him. I, I was, yeah, we she was like, okay, you're not kidding. Like, I've been trying to tell you for years. Don't, don't put me in this situation. Yeah. I'm sweating just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun. I don't do none of that. No. That's good. So you mentioned that you had the baby right before 2018, which is when you won a world championship, and you had a baby this year right before the finals. Um, is there some sort of preparation that you maybe just stop thinking about it so much? No, I'm not having any more kids. That's what <laughs> people say. Every year I have a kid, I win a world title, but oh. we're going to have to come up with something different because <laughs> I do not want any more kids. Three is a handful. Oh, that is a handful. Yeah, th three and a puppy. Yeah, this we got a puppy too. There you go. Yeah, that, that's a good little gift is, uh, you know, I love you so much. Thank Wait, you whose idea was the puppy? Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, I get the baby, you know, that two people had to have an idea, but usually a puppy comes from one person going, hey, we need a dog. We've always had, my wife, when she was in college, she got a little like Maltipoo, like okay. a little white and hairy one. He was pretty cool, Prince. and uh, Prince. Yeah, that was her dog. And we were already dating when she had him, but um, man, he was a cool dog. He uh, went everywhere with us, but he uh, died, I don't know, a couple years ago. And then we had a big dog that disappeared. And my oldest son, Crew, he's a dog guy. Okay. He, he likes dogs. So um, when Smokey left, uh, a friend of mine had a little Jack Russell puppies. So we got one of those, and he's a cool old skate. So he's Crew's dog, and he's actually a really good dog. How old is uh, is Crew? Because that that's, depending on how active Crew is, that could be a really good kid dog. Yeah, he's very active. He's six years old. Okay. He is in everything, right. wild, yep. wants to drive everything, wants to be very <laughs> reckless. He's he's dang sure a wild child and very dangerous. All right. Your kids, which ones are like mom and which ones are like dad? Uh, I don't know. My little girl is definitely like my wife. Okay. They said she was pretty sassy when she was little, and Mila is the boss. <laughs> she walks around there, and Mila Pearl, and she, she fits her name. Yeah. She, uh, She's she's a daddy's girl for sure. We get along really good, but she's dang sure got a little sass to her. And I don't know who Chaz is like because he is just the happiest little kid. For seven months old, he just smiles all day long. Like if he's crying, there's something bad wrong. Yeah. Like he's sick or got a dirty diaper or hungry. Because other than that, he smiles all day. And then Crew, I don't know. He was kind of like my brother-in-law. He's wild. Uh, my wife's brother, very reckless wants to do anything that looks dangerous, wants to drive every piece of equipment you got. Um, but he's a good kid. I don't really know. I, he would be more like Will, I guess, than any of them. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Well, tell us, you, you said a statement, God is still good. What That slogan we've heard is, is very important. You tell us a little bit more about that. So we, I guess, come up with that. I didn't really come up with it, but started that uh, after – uh the helicopter crash just because you know we i don't know we didn't want people to think that you know life is over god is still good even though bad things happen bad things happen to everybody yeah there's not one person in this world that can say you know i live the greatest life um you know you see a lot of stuff you know on tv obviously of you know even famous people anything but i promise you they have bad things happening and we just want to know that, you know, we're still living life. God is still good, even though we had a, you know, heroic tragedy, um, you know, changed our lives for sure, everybody in the family. So God's still good, and we're still living life. We still praise God each and every day, and that's just kind of what it means to us. That's you know, awesome. That, uh, 
you know, life isn't bad, even though, though bad things happen. Yeah. You don't fall out of grace. You fall into it. Yep. It's thanks sure brought us closer as a family, you know, closer to God. You know, it, uh, that's what it should do. That's what bad things should do. Not that you want bad things to happen, but like I said, bad things are going to happen in this life. Yeah. Well, you, you talked a lot about your family and your support system, but you, you have a unique relationship with your horse and that's one that we've seen for years now. And it just looks like nothing ever bothers pockets. Like he, you're a cool customer when you back in the box, but your horse just looks like he doesn't have a care in the world until you drop your hand and tell him it's time to go to work. Yeah, he does. And he's definitely a one in a lifetime horse. Um, how I ended up with him, I have no idea, but he's been a blessing to me, blessing to my family. Um, he, he is, he's super cool. He's actually like a little kid. Like he would get into everything, uh, anything that you don't think a horse will get into, he'll get into it, <laughs> tear it up. Um, he hates carnivals. Really? That's the only time I've ever seen him like get excited. He hates carnivals. He doesn't like, like loud sounds, like loud perfs. He actually does. I, like I got to stuff his ears and stuff. The first year at the NFR in 15, when I rode him, like nothing ever bothered him until I got to the Thomas and Mac, right, and uh, San Angelo, Texas. Okay, the little buildings. Yep, the crowd feels like it's on top of you, and uh, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like the screens. Really? Yeah, like the TV screens yeah. in the arenas. I, I guess he don't like seeing himself. <laughs> he was straight. Just, look, just look at the screen the whole time, and. But other than that, I mean, nothing bothers him. He's super laid back. You can whip on him all you want, try to get him excited. He just don't care. He just sits there. Like when we back in the box, it's first couple of times, you know, and I let people ride him, and they're always just – they either go too early and break the barrier or sometimes they're late because he just sits there. And like you got to make him go. If you just sit there and nod your head and don't do nothing, he will not move. Not having it. How did, how did you end up with that horse? Man, he – uh. Jake Pratt actually uh, told me, I've known Ian. I bought him from Ian Wells in Wyoming, but I have knew of him, but him and Jake were pretty good friends. And Jake had told me, he said, man, I, I was looking for a horse because uh, I got hurt in 14 and sold all my horses that I rode at like the NFR in 13 and stuff. And uh, I was looking for a horse. And he was like, man, I, this, Ian Wells got a horse. He said, I think you need to try him. He said, I've seen him a little bit. You know, he's just a good horse. So Ian brought him down to Jake's house, and I mean, I ran the first calf on him, and it was unbelievable. Right and he bat. just got, yeah. And he had been, Ian hauled him around to rodeos and, you know, stuff. Ian doesn't rodeo full-time by no means, but just trained him, bought him as a four-year-old, trained him. I bought him when he was turning eight, and, uh, you know, just he got better and better. Um, ended up buying him in February, and I didn't win – I won a few little checks, but my first big check on him didn't come till uh, April at Logandale. Nice. Like I might have won two, three thousand dollars on him from February to April. Just working, just trying to yeah, get that he mix was just, together. He was so strong, you know. He jerked down a lot of calves, and he was stronger than anything I ever rode. And uh, he just and really liked the way he scored. I mean, he just sat there, and I've always rode horses that you know kind of maybe want to pull on you when you nod or something. And it was just hard to get the rhythm with him almost. But, man, come April, it was like Click. The, just, yeah, the switch flipped and we were off and we hadn't slowed down yet. You said you got hurt in 14. What happened there? Man, I was sliding a steer wrestling dummy and it came unhooked. Uh, I was, they called me to be in the timed event that year. And 
like two weeks before the timed event. And I was like, man, I ain't going to do that. Too many people get hurt. So I said, I'll go next year. I said, just put me down. I'm going to, I have never bulldog. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to learn how to bulldog and do it right. And, you know, I'm, I've always been one that I'm not just going to jump into something. I want to be good at it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not good at it, I don't want to do it. So <laughs> I, uh, did that and I just was like, I'll take the whole year, you know, and just slowly, you know, do this steer wrestling deal. And I was just sliding a steer wrestling dummy and, uh, my brother-in-law put the pin in the four wheeler, but he didn't put the deal on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. So the pin popped out and the steer wrestling dummy flew up and pretty much jerked it out of my hands and my foot, my uh, right foot got hung in the sand Oh, and I fell to the left and it just dislocated my ankle, broke my leg and it was not good. I just seen the pictures the other day, like my foot was turned Mm-mm. all the way yeah. down sideways and they put like an X fix on it. It was, uh, like seven months before I walked again. Yeah, I can uh, I can change diapers, but I'm not good with uh, looking at pictures <laughs> no. of broken appendages. Uh, that's not that's not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I just and I never knew it happened. It was the weirdest deal. I never huh. heard nothing, never even felt it. And when I like when it happened, obviously I just kind of fell back on my back. And when I looked up, my boot looked like it had slid off because yeah. it was turned around so far. Oh. So I reached down to pull yeah. my boot on, and my foot was in it. And I about passed out because when I pulled, that's when the pain set in. And then I passed out. And then they life flighted me because there was no uh, there was no circulation in my foot. Oh, man. And the worst part is when we got to the hospital in Houston, they just rolled me in there, you know, real calm. Doctor nurses were doing all kinds of stuff, you know, getting ready to do the surgery. And the doctor walks in and he looks at my foot. And like in two seconds, he was like, I got to straighten your foot. And oh the nurses my gosh. started freaking out like, no, you can't do that. He's not sedated, nothing. He just grabs my foot oh. and pulls it and turns it oh. straight back up. And I, I, I was done. When I woke up, my foot was up, straightened, and my foot was back straight. Oh. When he jerked it, it literally like pulled me down the table like a foot. Oh, my gosh. Because my foot had come out and was like up here, and he had to pull it down oh. and turned it back. It was the worst pain ever. But. I remember that, but he straightened it just perfect. They took x-rays of it after, and he was like, I know that was painful, but I straightened your foot as good as I could have ever straightened a foot. Jeez Louise. Uh, We will not be sharing pictures of that on social media. I think we got a good enough picture. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. Let's take a quick pause, and we'll be right back. Looking to rope in some new news and features you can't find anywhere else? then look no further than the series of blogs and vlogs at nfrexperience.com. You'll find customized content on all things rodeo and Las Vegas. There's the NFR Insider with Susan Canode, Hurley's Hotspots, NFR Experience, Junior World Finals, one-on-one with Wrangler contestants, Behind the Shoots, Heart of the NFR, and Gold Buckle Buzz. Every year, rodeo fans make their way to Las Vegas to immerse themselves in the Western lifestyle. For many, their NFR experience includes a trip or two to the Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas in search of more. More time with friends. More fashion. More entertainment. More choices. More autograph sessions. More you and more Vegas. The Cowboy Channel Cowboy Christmas, December 1st through 10th at the Las Vegas Convention Center, South Halls. Open daily from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's all here. Every December, the next generation of rodeo stars makes the trek to Las Vegas to compete in the Yeti Junior World Finals. 
Watch the competition in nine events as these kids hope to open their presents early. For 10 days, it's all about more cowboys, more cowgirls, more competition, more champions, and more Vegas. Don't miss rodeos next up at the Yeti Junior World Finals. What was the recovery time on that before you could go back to roping? That was in May. I roped my first calf in January. Wow. Yep. It was a lot of uh, rehab because I broke I broke my leg. I split my tibula right up the middle. So I got a big old plate and uh, going all the way up, I have like 20-something screws and three plates in my ankle. How was the confidence level on that, stepping off on that first calf? It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I tried. Uh, so they have a thanksgiving roping in november on thanksgiving and i entered it thinking i was ready and i practiced for a couple of days and i looked 72 years old mm. so i turned out of that and uh i still went to therapy forever and like they would get me on a box like as tall as this table and jump off of mm -hmm. it and try to just land on my right foot oh it took me months before i could do that just because they're like your ankle because the doctor told me he said your ankle is not going to break mm -hmm. like if you break your ankle or dislocate it again like, don't come back to me because it's going to be so bad because there's so many places. <laughs> I thought you just screws. told me it wasn't going to break. <laughs> and yeah. now you're telling me if it does. Well, that's what he's saying. Like, he's trying to give him confidence. You're going to have yeah. to do something really bad because yeah. there's so many plates and screws and they're holding it together now yeah. that, like, you, like, it's going to be bad. And I just, I still could never do it. And finally, and even when I went to, I went to Mike Johnson's roping, uh, it's like on New Year's pretty much. And, I was still just not one to do it. I still wasn't like getting off fast and something about putting my money up. The very first one, it was like, I just forgot all about it, backed in there and went. And I think I won second in the first round. Nice. And like, it was just like, I blacked out when I threw my hands up. I was like, what just happened? Wow. Like I just got off. Like that felt normal. Just did it. And that was the first time since May that like roping felt normal like literally i wouldn't hold my slack i look 70 years old <laughs> my wife was like you gotta go just rope like, yeah you have to i'm like look at me i look 72 years old <laughs> i might as well get off the left like i'm getting off so slow and since then you know it's never bothered me hard ground in an arena like the first couple of years like when it's hard and i get off fast and hit it kind of stuns it but other than that i got plates that stick out of my leg mm. hurt with any kind of boots luckily durango boots got me some good boots and it's uh it's all good now that's awesome man that's that's scary it was a long year yeah all but, good in three world champions later yeah how does las vegas change for you in the thomas and mac after oh, that experience know. it's just like when i showed up in 15 it was just like i was just glad to be there i never Never once crossed my mind that, you know, to win a gold buckle. Obviously, it's in the back of your mind if you show up to Vegas and not wanting to win a gold buckle, you know, but I didn't go there almost expecting it. But, you know, and riding pockets there, I was a little nervous because he's big and strong. And, like, our deal is, like, running way out there time in eight and nine, you know, and seven-second setups aren't really our deal. But it all worked out, and come the – you know, sixth, seventh round, you click on that button that says, uh, what is it? Uh, that gives you like who would win the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah the projected yeah. standings. Projected yeah. standings. I clicked yeah. on it one night and my name was on top. I was like, what? Like that was the first time it hit me. And then so I how, don't even know what happened after that. Well, how here, here's the thing that 
in in the pomp and circumstance of everything that's happening, how do you keep yourself focused? Because we've all watched the NFR, but we've never had a jacket with our name on it and a back number. So me, I would be so charged up that I don't know if I'd touch the steer because I'm a team <laughs> roper, but I don't know that I'd touch the steer. How do you keep yourself focused when that moment arrives? You know, I've always just never let the big moments, you know, get to you. You know, you still got to back in there, do your job. And every year I show up to the NFR, you know, I just show up and want to rope, want to enjoy it. You know, I have a big support team. And, you know, if you show up trying to get everything in line and trying to make everything perfect, it's not going to happen. You know, it's just I back in there like I'm at my house practicing, mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I've, I don't know, come to think my mindset's the best when, I don't get wrapped up in the big moments and listen to the announcer. You know, I've, I don't know how I do it, but I just, when I ride in there and turn my horse around, it's just like I just go mind blank. You know, if I sit there and think about what I have to do and my calf, and obviously I never worry about my horse, what he's going to do. But, you know, if I start thinking about all that, it just, my mind goes blank. So I just back in there and try to do my job. And if I'm at the NFR, if I'm, you know, roping out a little jackpot, and that's helped me a lot and just know that no matter what happens, you know, I have the support, you know, God's always on my side and just see how it goes. So with, with everything that you have going on, your, your support system, your horse and all that, you, you guys have a system. How has your, your practice changed from when you first started to now? I used to back in there and run 20 a day and now I run about four. <laughs> I've come up with it. I mean, it's four or five about twice a week. Right. The most, you know, last year before the NFR, I felt like I wasn't ready. You know, it just didn't feel good. So I think I ran like five or six, like the week before, about every other day. And it was miserable riding out to Vegas in a <laughs> truck. I was so just stoved up and got there, tying the calves, you know, that first Monday. And it just, I was like, man, this is going to not be good. And I don't know, just when you back in there and put your money up, it's so different. You, you can overlook a lot of pain and a lot of soreness. And, you know, that's just, it's it's just different. I felt like I put my body through a lot, you know, from the time I was whatever, three, four, five, six years old, and then started roping tie down, you know, when you get 10, 11, 12, you know, that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to rope, and I enjoyed it. I loved it. I love being around horses. That's just, I mean, I think that's what you have to do if you want to compete at a high level. These guys are so good these days and so fast, and you know, all these setups are getting so fast. It's not like it used to be, you know, whatever, five, six, ten years ago. And, I mean, you just literally just got to let your hair down and go at them these right. days or you're not going to win a whole lot. So I felt like I put my body through a lot then, and now it's more mental. I feel like I have a really good horse and obviously all the, my family. And So I just, I don't know. To me, it's more mental these days than, you know, having to practice a whole lot. What does your preparation look like going into the into the NFR? Same as it does, you know, before I leave for the summer or anything like that. I don't practice a whole lot in the winter. I'm a big time hunter. Uh, we do a lot of hunting, so after the NFR, I try not to even think about roping for a couple months. You know, I didn't go to a rodeo till February this year, and obviously it showed. I haven't won a whole lot this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Funny how you got to go to those. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a, you know, a summer guy. Uh, the years I've had a lot won 
was like the years I won Houston or won the American and it counted. You know, other than that, I'm, you know, 15, 20, 30 thousands. I'd call it a good winter for me because me and my horse, we like the summers. And, you know, I just like, I feel like summer's like my practice. You know, you can rope a calf every day. Sure. And you just kind of got to get going. Even if it goes bad for two weeks, you just got to know that, you know, hey, there's, you know, 20 more rodeos in the next three weeks. You get to run a lot of calves. And I don't practice a whole lot in the winter, so I feel like I'm not very sharp. I just kind of let my horse take over, and hopefully he does his job, which he always does. So it's uh, I like the summers a lot more than do you winter prefer rodeos. The, do you prefer the summers simply because of uh, soreness at all? Does that go into account for winter rodeos when you're uh, cold outside and you have plates in your ankle? <laughs> no, the plates don't really bother me in the cold. And I don't know why, just sitting in a truck, like sitting still. Right. Yeah. And I wake up in the mornings and I haven't moved my ankle. Obviously, you know, it's it's sore or sitting in a truck, you know, not moving. But the cold really doesn't bother it. I hate driving. That's the only reason I would say I don't like the summer. But as far as winning, you know, and doing good, the summer that, has that's treated nice. me well. Yeah. yeah. But I hate driving. I hate being away from my family. It's just that's that'd be the reason I retire early in rodeo. Yeah. It's not because, you know, I obviously enjoy winning and rodeoing and, you know, being around good guys and rodeoing with good guys and stuff like that. But the driving and being away from my family now that we got three kids, it's almost yeah. impossible for them to go and cruise in school. So it's just almost impossible for them to go. But that's why I think my career is going to be touch shorter than yeah i feel like well, it could be priorities though man that's you, you, uh, yeah. the one thing you you don't get more of is time especially with little kids you know oh, yeah. andy and i can contest to that so <laughs> well just just to put a pin in what you're talking about what would that next chapter look like for you man i don't know i've always you know here lately i feel like i could get you know two to three more years out of this rodeo deal that's what i'd like but really and truly i don't know i always tell my wife you know i'm gonna know like i'm gonna be like i'm done yeah and this winter, I felt like I'm done. You know, <laughs> it's just there's, you know, I love being around cattle. I have cattle myself, and uh, my father-in-law has a feedlot that just surrounds me, and I do a little bit of stuff in there, and you know, that's where I see myself in year, you know, in a few years to come. But I don't know. I still enjoy winning. Still enjoy roping. You know, I didn't. You know, that's why I felt like I was getting close this winter because it just wasn't that good. But then you win the American, and you're like. And I can still do this. Yeah. I've tied one at six. I've tied a handful of calves in six in my career. And, you know, when you do that, you're just like, man, I can still do this. I can still compete at this high level. Even though I won the world last year, it's just like when you go through them dry spells and you just question yourself. Sure. Man, I don't know what to see how this summer goes, but I need to start practicing. <laughs> yeah. these, these guys practice a lot and they're really good. What did, what did the world championship last year feel like? I don't know. They all feel the same. They're just a blur. Really? It's just like I've always said when you have a chance to win the world, them last four days feel like you rope for a month. When you don't, when you're not winning at the NFR, it feels like, golly, it's already the ninth round. It's already the <laughs> tenth round. Like I feel like I ran three calves. Right. But you've done just so poorly that it just goes by fast. But, man, like this year was the worst. It felt like it was 72 hours before you got to rope again. And that's just how it is. I don't know if you think about it. The days just go by slower or what. But, man, they're all a blur to me. Like, I can't – people always ask me, like, which one, you know, meant the most or that. And obviously the one in 2018 because of everything that happened. 
But even that one, man, it's just a blur. It's just like you look back on it and you can't even remember what happened or what you did. I don't put a whole lot of thought into it anyway, so it's all just mind-blowing to me. That yeah. That's even me. Like, I watch old NFR videos or whatever and just sit there on TV and you're like, you, it's like, that's not me. Right. I don't know who that guy is. It's an out-of-body experience. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it's because I never expected it, you know. I never – Obviously, when you're a kid and you rope, you want to, you know, be a world champion. You want to be the best you can be. But all I ever wanted was to be the best that I can be. And I never knew that 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 was in the books, you know. Even the first year I showed up, you know, just coming off an injury, you know, I just wanted rope. I just wanted to be there. I just wanted to win money. And how it happened, I don't know. Well, you keep checking off those goals, (laughs) and we we love to watch you, and we appreciate your time. Uh, You're a fine young man, Caleb, and and it's it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Good luck this year, buddy. Have a good Thank summer you. run. Appreciate it. Hope to see you in Las Vegas. Me too. <laughs> Want to experience more of the NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com and we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, We would love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe.